Excuse me. Welcome to Laugh and Monkey Music Show. We have today we have on Chris. Chris is Chris Barron is on well Spin Doctors and a solo performer. Um, I've known and loved you from Spin Doctors, but as saying recently, I've come across your your solo stuff, which is really 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 good and a little different. It's nice, you know. Yeah, Sing, singer songwriter stuff. Yeah. Um, so it's got to be a good outlet for you because you started. You were you wrote a lot of the songs anyhow to begin with in the band. I did. I did. I, I, you know, I, I started playing guitar when I was eight, but I didn't get serious about it until I was like 12. And, um, um, I was taking lessons when I was like, you know, with this guy when I was like 14. And, um, he taught me like a Harry Belafonte tune and a Fleetwood Mac tune and a Simon and Garfunkel tune. And I took a chord from each tune and I was sort of playing them. And he came in and I was like, hey, I was just playing these chords like this. And I didn't know if he was going to be like pissed at me, you know, right. stop fucking around and just play yeah. the shit that I told you to play. And um, he was like, oh, yeah, yeah. You take some chords you like and you just play them. And then you, you, know, you just go da da da, do to do. And if you do that long enough, it turns into words and you write those down in a notebook with the chords. And that's how you write songs. And I was like, what? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, that's Henry songs. And I was like, but what about the squiggly lines and the notes and stuff? And he was like, do you think Bob Dylan and John Lennon know how to read music? And I was like, of course they do. And he was like, no, that's how they write songs. Yeah. And I was already like deep into creative writing. You know, I, I come from songwriting from, from a creative writing standpoint. And yeah. um so, and I, I've been, you know, singing since I was a kid and I've been sort of goofing around like a little bit with the guitar. And that's when I got really kind of more, even more into the guitar and, um, you know, combining like singing and creative writing was like just perfect for me. And I, I've just like always been into Paul Simon and, and Bob Dylan and, and, you know, you know, Bob Marley and the Beatles and all, you know, all that stuff. I was already in the who and stuff, but the Paul Simon and, and Bob Dylan from a songwriting standpoint, you know, I was just mm. super into them. And, and I could always kind of like, you know, see sort of what they were doing. Um, if that makes any sense. You know, I was like, I would it listen does, to does. like Desolation Row and I was like, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, not that I could do it or anything, but I, um, you know, I had a sense of what they were going after and I tried to go after it too. Well, I was just thinking, cause like, and I remember thinking that like you have, to me, it's like, almost like two, you have a, your fun rocking voice, you know, and you, but then you also, you, you've done your solo albums, you know, a, a mellow, there's a difference between the two voices, what I'm saying, like hear them. And when I heard you do the ballad on the first album, when I came across your, into my feed, your solo stuff came up. I was like, Oh, and it was just exactly what I wanted more of when I was younger, you know. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for oh, the, my most recent one is um, Angels and One-Armed Jugglers. Yep. And I'm um, working on a record now um, that's, that's more acoustic driven. That's the, Angels and One-Armed Jugglers is um, very singer-songwriter, but it's like full production, like electric guitar and, um, you know, Key, keyboard mostly piano mostly acoustic piano and acoustic guitar and there's like drums and bass on it on most things so it's, it's it's pretty full production um but it's got that 
you know, I think they're sort of. It feels more radio oriented. Like the, the production would lend to radio more, to pop radio. That's you know they want a certain mm. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, along with like you know a lot of the modern singers now, I think that would be perfect with it. And your other album, like Pancho's great. That album, it's also it's Thank just, you. It's yeah. also, it feels like I love that about it. It feels like you're in the same room with an artist. That's why, like you know, not all singers can become solo songwriters. Like when the bands go away or they're not doing stuff, a lot of guitar players and singers want to do their own thing. Not all of them can pull it off. You know, <laughs> well so, that's how I started out. You know, well, I know well, that's the whole thing with you. I mean, yeah, it's really great. Is and, and I didn't know this for I like, you know, have a lot of stupid trivia. I didn't know for a long time was your uh, you and you and John Popper together, yeah. We went to high school, yeah, yeah together, and so there was, um, you know, we had a just a, an amazing friendship and sort of a like we, I was in the original uh incarnation of blues traveler right, when it was right. called blues band and i got thrown out because there's no band that's like big enough for both me and john but john and i did the talent show together and uh, you know of course there's like no there's no video of that or anything because you know there wasn't the same kind of expectation of like you know recording everything it wasn't as easy to record stuff it wasn't right. there wasn't the same kind of you know there weren't like Nobody had like a phone back then that they could just like hold up and. There is know, a, there's a, a thing of your chemistry though. There is the the scene from um, Z Brothers with you two. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was died when I was watching. It. I was like, oh. I haven't seen that in a really long time. Did you do you have a link to that? Is that on YouTube? Yeah, or it's something? all on YouTube. Yeah, I actually oh, talked it to Joey, and uh, he's hilarious. And uh, he's like, yeah, he has he has them all on his page. I'll send you the link for it after. Oh, that's funny. I would love to see. All, I all, seen all two it. seasons are uncensored, too. So you're like, well, yeah, I haven't I, seen that. Yeah. I haven't seen that since. I'm not sure. I, I haven't seen it since we did it. Yeah. But yeah, John and I, you know, John and I, we we were in um, English class together and we were both the two like sort of maverick guys who were sort of smart asses and coming at all of the stuff we're discussing from a, you know, oddball oblique kind of angle. And um, I was like the bad kid kind of on the side of the class with my, you know, the, you have those like desks that are like a chair with the writing arm. Oh, yeah, on yeah, it, yeah. You know? And like our teacher was like, yeah, you can sit anywhere you want. So I had mine like backed up to the inside wall where I could see the door. And I was, you know, just like sort of a, misanthrope you know and um and john started out on the other side and like gradually like his desk moved closer and closer to mine poor teacher man that poor teacher having both of you and then then i don't <laughs> ever realize that both of you knuckleheads you know were all over the charts i mean that's kind of been like not yeah. one person in their class but two <laughs> well you know it's 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 you know when you when you think about it it kind of makes sense because yeah, like yeah. We, we like we we talked a lot and collaborated a lot and learned a lot from each other and and like um you know it, it um for me for me um john was like it was incredible being in high school with the john because he was like very clearly a star you know and yeah. um he would he played in the jazz band he would he would come on and do like a solo um, in an assembly, you know, in our auditorium and, and everybody would go bananas. Like it, like they'd be 
actually climbing the walls, you know, and getting up on their seats and like just going crazy when he when he played. And the the like you know the vice principal who's like the disciplinarian would come out and be like, okay, John's gonna come out, and he's gonna play during the assembly, and if everybody if anybody like flips out you stop the assembly and you're all going to go to detention, you know, like you'd have to say that beforehand because it happened, you know, but Jack so will be playing the detention for everybody too. So it's okay. No. Yeah. It was cool. It was cool going to high school with a guy who was very clearly like a star. Cause he sort of banged open like the idea that like, Oh, you know, someone, you know, could be a star. Maybe you could go on and, you know, have some tunes on the radio and do some stuff. Like, I know John, you know, John and I talked about creativity a lot and, you know, the songwriting and um, he was a huge influence on me just in terms of the sheer like scope of what a person could do and be. Yeah. Um, both, both very good bands. You guys both did pretty good too, you know? <laughs> we did okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, wasn't that long ago you actually, and it was kind of, um, I did, I remember this when it came out, you had problems, you had some vocal issues too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I lost my voice. Um, Holy I had scary. a paralyzed vocal cord. That happened to me a couple times. It happened to me twice, which is really rare and weird. And um, it's not supposed to happen to people more than once. Like it's very, it's a really weird, rare thing to happen. Even does once. something trigger it, or is it something you just? No, it's what the doctors call uh, idiopathic. And the specialist was like, idiopathic is what we call something when you know that's a doctor's way of saying we have no fucking idea why it happened. So it's, they think it's neurological. It was a par- paralysis of my a nerve. And, um, wow. Yeah, it's pretty weird. And I actually, like my, it was both times was my right vocal cord. And um, the second time, it actually didn't come back all the way. So I've learned to sing with one vocal cord. The Angels and One-Armed Jugglers, the, my most recent record, I've like, Basically, I've learned how to, your vocal cords like sit in your throat, like a V. And the, mm-hmm. the point of the V is in the front of your throat. And when you, when you sing or talk, the, um, the, the two ends of the V that are far apart come together and make something that's, I guess, more like an H, right? But right. where the insides are touching. And, um, and then they, they rub together and, and that's, how you produce sound and so my vocal cords weren't coming together but i learned how to use the musculature around the vocal cords on the on the paralyzed one to sort of brace it against the vocal cord that is still mobile i didn't know i was doing this like i just kind of was like hey i you know, my voice came back. My doctor was like, great. Okay, cool. We're going to scope your vocal cords. We looked at my vocal cords. It's like, whoa, wait, wait. The right one is still largely immobile. <laughs> I was like, what do you, how's that happening? And he was like, you know, it looks like you figured out how to sing with one vocal cord. So angels and one-armed jugglers. Is kind well, of- it should have been angels and one vocal cord jugglers or something. And you left jugglers. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit, you know, on the <laughs> nose, much- but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great though, because you would, I would have known that. I mean, it sounds... No, really good. I mean, it doesn't sound like it all. I'm a, I'm a medical miracle. My wife is my wife. That you know, my wife says I'm like the king of mind over matter. I'm I'm really good at like just doing weird shit that shouldn't shouldn't be yeah. able to do. 
like making a living playing music, I suppose. But you've been printing your whole life for it, though. A lot of people didn't start as early as you, you know? No, no. No, my mom was like, um, I was eight. My mom was like, you're going to play guitar. And I was like, nah. She's like, nah, you're going to take guitar lessons. And I was like, you know, in my head, it sounded like a pain in the ass. So I was like, what about trumpet? And she was like, you can't have a sing-along with the trumpet. And I was like, how about piano? You can have a sing-along with the piano. And she's like, yeah, but you can't take it to the beach. And I was like, how about drums? She was like, no fucking son of mine is going to be a goddamn drummer. She didn't say that, but she was like, no way. In my house. Too loud, you know. And um, she started How awesome is your mom? You're like, how about a trumpet? It's usually the other way around. Musicians start off, I had to play trumpet in school. I had to play piano. I know, I know. I I can play guitar. Your your mom's like, I want you to play cool guitar. You're like, no, she was like, like, um, if you learn how to play guitar, um, girls will love you. And I was eight, so I was like, ew. (laughs) But I took, I took guitar lessons and I took them in a guitar shop and um, we learned um, Try a Little Kindness by Glenn Campbell, which is really kind of cool because I'm friends with Ashley Campbell, Glenn Clam- Campbell's daughter. It's just kind of a funny full circle sort of thing that, you know, we're in this class and it was the first time I like thought of a song as a, as a, like a piece of material, mm-hmm. you know, rather than just a ubiquitous sound coming at me. And it was like, my first time thinking, oh, this is a really good song. This is a song people would learn, you know, so that they could play it. And, you know, it was eight years old. And then after the lesson, you know, my dad took like 10 or 15 minutes to show up. And I was walking around the store. I'd never seen like 50 guitars in one place. And I turned around the corner. There's a guitar, um, a Gibson Hummingbird, which is, you know, really cool guitar. The pick guard, the plastic thing, you know, below the sound hole that that stops your pick from tearing the wood apart had like a hummingbird on it it was hanging there and i remember like looking at the hummingbird and it was just like this kind of stunning image you know full of like kinetic energy the image had this like kinetic energy and the the idea of um the potential like musical power of the guitar and the combination of this like sort of kinetic image of this hummingbird you know mm-hmm. i just it just struck me you know and it had this um um uh finish you know this like kind of cherry red sunburst finish and um i was just i was just struck by it as an object and um and i've just been like crazy about guitars ever since you know it just kind of got me and my dad showed up and was like can i have this guitar he was like you know, no, you already have a guitar, and um, no, now I, own, the guitars. now I own like 20 guitars. <laughs> oh, he's searching for that first one, though, right? So, what happened? So, like, with, with spin doctors, you were doing a while, then you guys took a break or whatever, and hiatus, and you played, got together for like a, like a not a reunion, but like a one off, and you guys were playing again, and now you have a new album. And then, yeah. in the meantime, you've been also doing some solo stuff in between, yep, like. Is there a, like a, a plan that you've been doing? Or is it just kind of like you've been playing? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the Spin Doctors is like, that's the the three of us, you know, Aaron, the drummer, and Eric, the guitar player, and I, you know, we all just kind of agree, like, this is our life's work, you know? Um, it's the thing that we're all the most famous for. Um, and the three of us have, uh, like a really deep 30 year relationship that, that means very much 
to all of us. We started out, you know, most bands get together because they um, are, uh, you know, friends like college or high school friends, like our yeah. friends in this travel. And they become a band, but we became a band. We were all just kind of mercenary about the whole thing. And, and, you know, we all just thought the other guys were the best guys around. And um, so as a result, um, to begin with, it was very much about the music, you know, and not very personal. And um, over the years, you know, 30 years later, you know, we're all really close friends now. Um, but it's a it was long cool. time to be together as a band. It's like getting um, being an arranged marriage and then being three dying days together. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah, you're not, you're totally. not really planning it totally. out, but but you know, serendipitous, and you know, the energy of you guys are together. It just were meant to be. No, it's true. You you know you you we we had this immediate incredible musical chemistry and writing chemistry, and then of course you know our first record was a really big hit, and it's a record that you know sold 10 million copies and. Um, Two Princes has been played on, it's coming up on like a hundred million plays on, um, on YouTube and 350. Some of are bananas, aren't they? That's crazy to think about. Yeah. That. I know it's like 350 million streams on Spotify and, or more than that. You know, it's like, it's nuts. You know, we had a, um, I mean, that was a really big song. Little Miss Can't Be Wrong would have been a huge song it's as big as a lot of hits ever are and it's our second biggest song you know and like you know a lot of and we went around the world together and so we're just we're really close and we love we love playing together we make really cool music and um so the last like you know 10 15 years we go out during the summer and we do like what we call fly dates. You know, we just like fly oh, yeah. to different places and it's, it's kind of crazy. And sometimes you go from like New York to, you know, LA to Montreal to, you know, Birmingham in one weekend. And it's, it's sort of bad shit, but, but, um, you know, we go out and we make a living and like, um, um, we made a record, God, we haven't made a record in like nine years, but we were just kind of going on doing our thing. There wasn't really any reason to make a record, and we were all making solo records. I made, you know, um, I made uh, Angels and One Arm Jugglers, and Eric made a record, Aaron made a record, and um, and then, you know, we're kind of working on um, like getting out of a couple of old contracts, and it just turned out if we delivered a record that would push things all along. And um, our, our manager was just like, Hey, you guys think you can make a record? And we were like, yeah, totally. Sure. You know, so Eric and I got together, we went up to uh, Mike Gordon's house in Vermont, Mike Gordon from fish, the bass player. Yeah. Um, he's got a extra house and I was staying with him one time and he's like, yeah, man, if you ever want to like come and like, it's got a studio in there, you ever want to come up here and do some writing or whatever. So I took him up on it and Eric and I wrote like um, three terrific songs in two days. And then Aaron and I got together and we wrote a couple tunes and the three of us got together. We wrote some tunes and the material was just coming out like so easy and, and like fast and really good. And, and, um, and so, you know, we went to the studio. Um, I was telling you before we went on air, you know, our, our bass player, um, our original bass player um, is like a strident anti-vaxxer, 
Um, wouldn't wear a mask, wouldn't um, get tested. So it just like couldn't work. And um, so um, he's, you know, kind of an ultra MAGA guy and, and, you know, it just wasn't, we weren't able to work. So we got Jack Daly, who is an old friend of all of ours. I used to live in the same building with him. Aaron, our drummers, made numerous records with him and played. He plays in a band with him, another band that's a big band in Germany that they're like the, the band for. And so, um, you know, Jack's like a, a was sort of a natural fit, super yeah. funky guy and one of the best bass players in the world. And so we went in to make like demos, you know, and we gave ourselves like 10 days and it, we were like, what the hell? It just came out. We worked really fast and it came out really great. That's we, awesome. Yeah, we had a ball and, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think we finally made a record, you know, as good or better than Pocket Full of Kryptonite. You know, it's, I'm not sure we've ever made a record that's like better than our first record. I think we've made, I think all of our records are, are really good, but this one is like, it's got that thing, that Spin Doctors thing where there's a number of songs on it that are just like, what the hell, who the hell writes a song about this? You know, um, and there's some funny stuff. There's, some funky stuff. There's some really hard rocking stuff. There's some like sort of more cerebral stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a highly entertaining and very musical um, album. And it's also really heavy. I, I, I think, I don't think we get the credit, um, you know, cause we came up in this like kind of grunge moment. Yeah. So there were all these bands that were like just only heavy. And we're famous for songs like Two Princes and, and um, Little Miss Can't Be Wrong. But we have also have songs like Refrigerator Car and Shinbone Alley. And, and, you know, we've got tunes that are as heavy as any of that oh, yeah. grunge shit. Um, and I like grunge. Sorry, I didn't mean to be like grunge shit. I didn't mean to like write it off because yeah. I, I, I love Kurt Cobain. and I love Nirvana and um, Soundgarden and, and like, you know, Chris Cornell. I just think that guy like was just the greatest. Yeah, yeah, singer yeah. maybe to ever like come down the pike is just so good um you know we just we we they opted for like a really dark kind of mood as their whole mood and we always we always wanted to have um aaron our drummer put it in a really really i thought he put it really succinctly you know he's like when we were forming the band and forming our repertoire he was like we should play um songs in different tempos with different rhythms and different like tonal mm -hmm. um landscapes and different moods which is to say we should play shit that sounds different from each other you know so like we we have happy shit we have angry shit we have sad stuff you know we have like we have all the moods um you guys came out the a certain like the drummer it's a, such a tight like you know the, the the drum sound your voice was very distinct the guitar playing was very distinct you know what i'm saying in the bass yeah. everything, everything was produced so it had yeah. its own swim lanes and it, mm -hmm. everything stood out on its own and that's also the first album because nobody had heard that before you know yeah i mean it's i think i can't compare I think to those, anything before those that. guys are the best they're the best musicians of the 90s i mean eric aaron and mark i just think they're i think they're they stand up to anybody, you know, and they, you know, Eric and Aaron both play like bebop and they're, I mean, they're like, they're nuts. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. What, how broad and, and, and solid they are as musicians. Anyway, thank you for saying that. I, I think those guys are great.
And I think it's really crazy because I think one of the things, and I don't see as much nowadays, is writing a good some pop song. Because you listen to it, you break your song sound, and someone goes, oh, that looks so easy. But it's not. It's, it's the hardest thing in the world to write a great, easy song. <laughs> yeah. Well, the it, trick from what I do is I just write tons and tons of tunes. Right. And I don't really try to write anything that's anything in particular. I never sit down to try and write a pop song. or. No, but you know what I'm saying? Like the best, like a Beatles song or, or like a, your, your biggest hits, they all sound like, oh, yeah. But like you, you out of the thin air, you wouldn't have thought of that out of thin air. That's amazing. It's not a common thought. But the melody sticks with you, the lyrics, everybody it's, goes along. And then it's got a yeah. thing. It's, yeah. That's why you have Yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, for me, it's all a big, it's a big process. It's a big, it's a big workflow um, where I'm playing a ton of guitar and I'm working on my singing and I'm, you know, writing down kooky shit on envelopes and um, dictating stuff into my phone. And, and, um, some things kind of all come together, you know, a song will just come together all at once. Sometimes I'll write a lyric. Sometimes I'll write a piece of music. Sometimes I'll have a lyric and a piece of music sitting around. I'll smack them together. Sometimes, you know, I get together with Eric and I'm like, Hey, I got this lyric. What do you got? And he's like, I don't got anything. We just like, you know, I start singing something. He starts playing along with it. And, you know, a, a tune comes together. Same thing. Aaron and I get together and he usually has a couple of musical things and I'll go through my computer and find like a lyric and we'll just start like working on it, you know, but Aaron, you know, Aaron composes, um, Aaron, our drummer composes, you know, he composes about a third of the music in the band. And, um, um, he comes up with these things that are like really rhythmically, um, challenging, you know, and, um, have these like really, unique odd rhythmic ideas and um i've always wondered how robert plant you know some of the some of the stuff um some of the zeppelin stuff is really like weird and i've always right. wondered like how he sort of coped with like the and you know like and um it, you know every time i do one of those things of aaron's like i i, I kind of think of that because he has stuff that has these really odd phrases and um on this record um there's a couple of things that are in odd time signatures and it's funny because i listened to it and i can hear that when i when i came up with the melody the rhythm of the melody like i didn't really rhythmically like understand what was happening like i was just sort of being like doing a phrase and then like i know that the phrase ends when i hear the snare again and then i like just start the next phrase and it's like sitting down in another section where i'm just doing the phrase until i hear the <laughs> snare again and then, like it's all sort of happening and um i was saying that to eric i was just like you know i'm just like I, I know I know that if I just sing eighth notes, if I just go da 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 da, the phrase will end and I'll be okay. And um, you know, we're talking about this tune, this new tune called Double Park, and it's got a thing in like seven eight. And um, he's like, "How do you think I played the solo?" <laughs> it's just eighth <laughs> notes. So, like, I waited until it ended. <laughs> just played eighth notes until it ended. <laughs> Well, you watch you guys all be paying attention, counting in your heads to that song, make sure you don't get lost in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like the, we, you know, the the thing, the point of that really is that that um is that that's how you come up with something. Like he 
he didn't set out to write something in seven eight. He he's just got a really developed sense of rhythm. So he came up with a with an idea, a musical idea, and it just so happens to take place over seven eighth notes, and then it repeats again in in another. Did he write this on guitar? Yeah, he writes. He he plays he plays piano, bass, and guitar. He he can play he can play anything. He's he's, um really. That's what I thought. But you hear a lot. Like I mean, Dave Grohl's the easy one, but you hear a lot of drummers that write songs. Actually, um, drummer from Anthrax writes too. And you start thinking about all the guys that are drummers write songs, and you think about the rhythm in the songs that they've written. Yeah, and you're like, oh, you know what I mean? yeah, 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 because they play um, the guitar like they play the drums. Most of them tune, There's a tune. Um, well, we used to play this this game called uh, "You're on the Gig," and it was basically like you're on the gig. The band leader says, "Okay, you need to play like, you know." a piece it's like four measures in like nine eight and then you know two measures in seven eight and another another four measures of reggae in nine eight and then you know just go on into this crazy thing and aaron could just do it you know he would like you know look up into his eyeballs and just kind of think about it for a second then he would just do it on the drums you know it was like you that's that's fucking nuts but he would do it and it would feel like a piece of music you know it would feel like a fucked up weird like oddball piece of music but he would do it um so you know because the trick is like the trick is if you're going to play stuff in like this you know odd in odd side time signatures and stuff like that you don't want to you know, you don't want to have people counting. If I start, if I'm listening to something, I start counting. I know I'm like, immediately I'm like, eh, you know, like I know that the piece of music is like a failure as a piece of music because I'm counting, you know? Right. But if I just hear something and it's like, you know, a piece of music, like Zeppelin, the Zeppelin stuff is like that. You know, those are like, those are musical ideas. They just happen to take place in like an odd number of beats, you know? But it's a full musical idea. And, you know, you see guys, you see, you listen to um, a lot of these old, these old blues guys. And when you start to take apart some of these really old blues songs, mm-hmm. like they're put together in these really weird ways. But um, it gets easier to understand when, when you think of it like they're just like, they're just stringing ideas together. So like, you know, if you don't have like that kind of formal training, you know, you got like Indian music where there's tons of repertoire that are in these crazy time signatures. Mm-hmm. Well, like blues is like, you know, it's, it's this sort of indigenous kind of music that is played, you know, um, by usually by self-taught artists and like they're putting together these ideas. And I, I didn't, I didn't really start to think of, 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 of it that way until um my friend mike messer who's a fabulous musician he he's he he knows a lot of beatles tunes and a lot of like beatles lore and we were doing a um um we were doing uh a tribute and we did uh revolution and the i i called him on the phone and i was like the guitar solo is seven bars and there's all these like weird like the timing's weird know, in that song too, like it's pardon me? the timing is weird on it too. Doesn't it go start on a downbeat or something? It starts. Uh, it's like just something weird at the drumming. Are the timing yeah, it's it? really weird. Yeah. And and um and 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 Mike was like, yeah, um, John, he didn't like to. If you have a formal training, 
you'll fill things out into phrases of four because that's how like the ear is trained unless you are like a contemporary composer and you're writing unless you are like writing these ideas that take place in a different thing but generally like popular music particularly is like it'll be like one two three four two two three four three two three four four two three four and the thing is taking place in an even amount of measures and when it comes around it goes to the next thing you know um but like he was like john didn't like to he didn't like to do that he liked he wanted to move right on to the next idea so like he would just do an idea and then the next thing would start so you'd have like you know you have a guitar solo that's like seven bars instead of eight bars instead of like two groups of four it's like a group of four and then three because the idea ends and he moves right on to the next thing so you know when you start thinking of it as strings of ideas Mm -hmm. then um i think you have a better chance of like of doing a piece of music that isn't like a, a, an intellectual exercise. But if you set out to write a piece of music that is in a particular time signature um, for the sake of just doing something in an odd time signature, then it starts, you know, then you're going to, you're going to listen to it and you're just going to be, Oh, I started to tell you about the, that you're on the gig. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So at one time I was hanging out with Aaron and uh, we were super high and he was fooling around with the guitar and I was like, okay, give me some, give me some funk in nine, nine, eight. And, um, you know, he just started going, um, you know, uh, we got a tune called, um, refrigerator car and the intro is da 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 and it's in nine. And what it was is I was like, Aaron, give me some funk in nine. And he started playing that on the guitar and they started singing. I am Chris and I like a filter fish. Yes, I am Chris and I like a filter fish. And, that, and we were like, oh, we got to put that in a song. We just took out the I am Chris and I like a filter fish. But I mean, it started out as I am Chris and I like a filter fish, you know, um, which is to say it was like, a, you know, an idea. I never hear that song the same now. <laughs> well, you know, it's so like with the songwriting, that's great because you don't think about like when I was young, young um, I used to sing in bands, whatever, and just jam. I went to college for recording stuff, and then the different stuff happened. But I'm 51 now, so when I was like 45, I said, "You know what? I want to start playing guitar." And then music came around a lot different to me then, because when you start taking apart songs, first actually when I got the guitar, first thing it is, I got two guitars. I got a second one. And I took the guitar apart because I want to see how the guitar worked. So mm-hmm. I wanted to take it apart and rebuild it, you know, because that's what you do, right? You take everything apart. Mm-hmm. then i started taking songs apart and like even some of the songs are like oh so boring like growing up here all the time it's like background noise but you actually play the chords and you learn you're like oh that's smart like the arrangements are so sublime for a simple song but yeah. then you said but then you start doing things like like the beatles and you start doing certain other artists and you're like you know then you're like zap like all the time signatures yeah not what you think it is and when you're singing it, you don't think so much about it. you think well the phrasing is a little different, or if you're not a singer, how you do things, you know, it's a little different to learn a song, chorus, without verse, chorus, chorus, whatever, you know what I mean? Um, but then you start doing these songs and it's totally different. And that's why I think your music is, is very fun for me because I like Thanks. I like that odd offbeat. Yeah. And if you, your soul stuff is like, you're very lyrical too. And that's the other thing, like with your lyrics, you weren't, it's funny, funny stuff, but you also have a lot of serious stuff in there too. Like you don't want to smile too much because you feel like just like, um, Something coming on the left, you know, left smack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're yeah. too laughing too much, you know. Yeah, I know. I, I like I like writing that way. 
and again like it, it all goes back to like you know having a really strong idea like i i um a lot of times i just write lyrics even if i'm writing to a piece of music i just write the lyrics and i don't worry about fitting them in to a rhythm um too much i just make that happen and i put i make the i make the idea of the lyric supersede the like you know having it be like perfectly along the rhythm of the um i was in a writing session with some guys we wrote a really good song it's never been recorded um you know and they had this melody and and i was like we're trying to write to this melody and i was like can we just you know like okay we got this melody it's great we can always come back to it but can we just like just write a lyric Mm -hmm. and not worry about the melody and and um and that's this lyric is so beautiful and um And as a result, you know, the melody was cooler, really, than the than the original melody, because then we had like this, you know, we had this these words to sing. And when you're when you um you know, when you're evoking, you know, a really strong idea, particularly particularly lyrically, um you you have a lot more freedom because what you're saying is so strong. It's going to strengthen anything you do with it, if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. So there's, there's two questions before we wrap this up. Um, one is, when are we thinking the album's going to be coming out for, um, for people that are asking? We'd love to get it out this year, but it's probably going to be early 2023. Okay. Well, and, uh, yeah. We, we ha- we're not sure what we're going to call it. We have a couple of working titles. We're we're thinking of calling it Rock and Roll Heaven, which is the title of one of the songs. And then now we're thinking of calling it The Buddha on the Lawn, which is the title of another song. And another t- song title is Heart of the Highway. So we're not quite sure what we're going to call it yet. But if, if you hear of any albums that are called that, if they're not by Spin Doctors, <laughs> let us know and we'll, yeah, right. we'll get our lawyers on it. <laughs> I was actually talking about your guitars what are you using for what is some of your songwriting your main guitars um i have a 1959 gibson j200 that i've written a lot of stuff on recently Mm -hmm. it's such a great sounding guitar and my hero um reverend gary davis played one um i have a really old um gibson lg2 that was like the second guitar i ever bought with my own money um I bought it on like one of the first tours with the spin doctors um, and a, in a garage in Rochester for like 150 bucks. And um, you know, it's a real workhorse. I wrote, I wrote little miss can't be wrong on that guitar and a, and a million other songs. Um, and I got a 1946 um, Martin double uh, 017. It's a, um, you know, it's the mahogany yeah. Martin. Um, written a bunch of stuff on that. I've been playing the snot out of that one. Oh, and I and I I I um a couple of years ago I was walking past Matt Umanoff, the you know, old school guitar store in New York that was on Bleecker Street. And um I was walking along with um, you know, like the boyfriend of my wife's friend. 
and you know so yeah. i didn't really know him but we i knew he played guitar and we were passing we we're kind of drunk it was like you know two o'clock in the morning and i was like oh it's matt humanoff i gotta check this out man look in the window here because this place is cool if you get a chance while you're here you should come back here we look in the window right in the middle is um like a 20s stella decalomania it's um like you know a guitar made in jersey city in the 20s made out of birch and it had like you know has like you know like gibson girl kind of like um you know floral you know vegetal kind of beautiful decals on it like this decoration and um i was like what the fuck is that and um i'm Call Matt Umanoff standing outside of Matt Umanoff at two o'clock. And when I call, I leave a message like, do not sell that Stella before I get in there tomorrow. As if somebody's going to come in. Like, it didn't have tuning pegs on it or anything. It was like all fucked up. Um, and so, like, I get there the next day and Zeke is there. And, and I'm like, um, did you get my message last night? He was like, yeah, Chris. Like, nobody was like waiting at the door to buy the Stella this morning at 10 o'clock. Like, <laughs> this derelict guitar very cool but you know derelict so i took it to tr crandall who used to do all the the repairs there but now he's got his own place and he's a you know brilliant luthier and um i told him like you know i don't actually have you know i i have the money to pay for this but like not really like the disposable right. just like basically like take as long as you want best case scenario like i forget that i even bought this guitar and you call me one day and um you know like the the guitar is ready so <laughs> i get a call right before my birthday this year and um and it was like crandall you know like your guitar is ready and i was like fuck how long have you guys had it he's like i don't know you know so i got there and i looked at the tag on it and um, it was like 2017. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It had it for five years. But I've been playing the shit out of that. It's a hundred years old. It sounds amazing. Does it? Yeah, it's fucking gorgeous. You want to okay. see it? Yeah, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I got oh yeah. How cool is that? That is nice. Is nice. that great? Look at that. Yeah. Something all that elaborate up here, but the Stella. Still. you know thing is usually it's usually that's a decal but that's like in the wood oh is it cool yeah let's the, t- the tail of that how it's the, the mountain i tail oh wow that's not yeah. be every day huh no and and um everything's original except the tuning pegs yeah i think he i think he put new i think he put old tuning pegs on but they're not original for the guitar self-tuning badass wow you can uh go out there and panhandle now <laughs> yeah i like make a couple bucks yeah crossy <laughs> i play uh i play in the subway all the time actually yeah that's that's a beautiful guitar though it really is yeah that is awesome yeah, i have the best fucking guitars man i have a really really cool guitar collection very cool well i never see a lot about you and guitars because usually you as a vocalist so it's kind of cool. yeah. yeah i mean a lot of people don't even know that i play guitar you know, but I'm I'm a I'm a pretty accomplished guitar player. You know, I'm I can I can play guitar. Well, I, yeah, and I knew that, so I wanted that was one of my things. You know, I, I imagine yeah. at this point in the 
actually when you when you do things you gotta be seeing like that now that everyone, you had the first beard young guy with a beard for a while yeah you know i mean now they got all the hipsters doing it and you're like is there royalties on that i was the dude what? man no i know I, I i i like i say that and my wife is like shut up and i'm like no no, Babe, no. nobody had a fucking beard not like yours before chris Barron. you're yeah, like, people you know like it was sort of like it was more of a like an old like beatnik thing you know or like a really old hippie thing you know but nobody, no, yeah, young people didn't have beards. Yeah, you're, and you you're know why? Beard, beard. Beard's getting crazy. Your beard's getting crazy at the end, though. I gotta tell you, that was almost too much for me at the end. <laughs> it was, oh, yeah, really... it was, it was well, the thing. The thing about the beard was, I, I, I wasn't like growing a beard. It was just that I was on the road so much that I just never got my hair done. I grew my hair out long. That wasn't like I wasn't growing my hair. I just never got to a barber, and my hair got really, really long. And uh, like you know, when when old old folks are like you know, or like, get a haircut, you know, and they're like, they're blaming your long hair on like not getting a haircut and like just being slovenly and like not getting your shit together. That's why my hair and my beard got so long. It was actually like, it was like the full, like, get off of my lawn, you long haired slob, you know, it was like that. That's actually why my hair got that long. And you know, you know, the story about the, you know, why the, the, the hat ended up in the video. No, I don't. Um, that whole outfit, like I, I, we made the two princes video and our, our budget was like, I think $55,000 and half of that money went into this, the shot at the end, you know, the shot at the end is a dolly shot. It's like the, at the end, there's like the, we're singing and the cameras are going around and around. Right. And um, so they had to rent the dolly and the, the track that the camera would go around on and the little trolley thing that the camera sits on and, so they're setting up that shot. We've been shooting all day. It's um, December in in uh, New York City at Bethesda Fountain. Um, and um, I've been outside all day. And um, I, uh, I go into the hair and makeup truck and I'm freezing. And the hair and makeup lady was like, oh, here, put on my sweater. And I was like, no, no. She's like, no, I got my parka on. Like, it's cool. Just put on your sweater. Put on the sweater. So I put that long sweater on. And um, I had that hat. That hat was like a $6 Guatemalan, a Peruvian hat that I bought on the street. And I had my like wool gloves on and, and, and like, I'm just sitting there like trying to warm up and they set up the shot and uh, Rich Murray comes over to the, to the truck and is like, um, all right, get in front of the camera. Like we're, you know, starting to like pay overtime for the crew. And, you know, it's like, crunch time and got the shot set up the expensive shot and i get off the 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 truck the you know the trailer and i'm wearing like the hat and this sweater and these gloves and he looks at me he's like what the fuck are you wearing and i was like i'm cold and he's like just get in front of the fucking camera and that's how you look like a homeless you know, person all those different outfits on. That I mean, you look at that, you look at one of those hats and you think the 90s, like, and it it all it was totally like just because I was cold and then make But everybody wears hats summer. now, even in the summertime with their beards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I, but I'm giving you credit. I you know, tell you what, someone else gives you credit for it too, because that's what I think of, you know. I, I think I, I you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I was like the first guy, you know. In in that yeah. era, for me, I'll say you were the beard. you were probably the yeah, one of the young guys for beard, and then and uh, and Ron Young from Little Caesar was the guy who did the 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 goatee. 
you guys are the two guys. <laughs> <laughs> they should be getting royalties and stuff. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just a hairstyle. I know. It's just pretty funny though. you guys were the ones. <laughs> it's a funny, silly note to, to uh, talk about though. No, I appreciate yeah. it. I appreciate the credit. Yeah. You deserve it. It's pretty funny. So I want to thank you for coming on the show. I know. Oh, little, my pleasure, Sean. Thank you for having me. A little odd questions probably for you a little different you know, no no happy to, happy to answer any and all and sundry questions well i'm excited for a new album too though so i wasn't expecting oh that. cool man yeah keep your ear to the ground i'm oh. I'm excited too it came out came out really good it's a really fun entertaining but heavy album yeah i'm looking forward to it i hope i hope you can do solo stuff too right in between yeah oh yeah that. working on i've got another solo record in the in the uh in the pipeline too okay very cool. Oh, and if I may, I'm yeah. I'm also I also have a group yeah. with it's me and these three Norwegian rock stars from the '90s, and we're called the Canoes. And um, we have one record out that's called Booze and Canoes. And um, we had a couple minor hits in um, in Norway with it, and um, we put out a um, like a deluxe version of it recently, and. Um, sort of re-released it with a few extra tracks in the United States because it never really got a release in the United States. And we got another record coming out next year called uh, Magnetic North. So if people are interested in checking out another thing, it's, 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 um, the, it's for, you know, me and four other guys who are all amazing singers. Each guy, they're from three different really big Norwegian bands from the nineties. And, um, each one was like the lead singer and, and um, like principal songwriter of this band that they were in. So the songwriting is on a very high level and it's tons of like four part harmony and the oh, musicianship is cool. on a really high level. And yeah, well, well, thanks well, for having well, me, man. Well, thanks for being on the show, man. All right. Take care now. Take care. All right. So.